and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and that we loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Jade, forgot to come up with a title because I was so <laughs> eager to record, Rose. And sometimes things that are Hamish are steel. <laughs> is, my, that's, is my one. <laughs> that's so perfect. I love it. Oh my God. Um... And today we have for you a slightly <laughs> different sounding, I imagine, catch up geek out. But we got into a really good rhythm with how frequently we guys, we guys, you guys, you guys get a catch up geek out from us. Um, and we didn't want to break that, that delightful streak that makes me really happy. So we're using a, a slightly less than ideal recording setup. We were just so desperate to talk to you guys. We also have things that, yeah, we want to actually genuinely catch up on. It's been a week since uh, last week we put out our live episode. Which um, we hope you all enjoyed. Saw some great feedback on Twitter. I forgot the person's handle, but they were like, how can I make <laughs> this cosplay more gay? And I was like, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, so influence. that was that was at Nine Worlds Geek Fest, um, which I made a passing cameo at, more or less. On the Saturday. And I uh, was there for three days of unbridled geeky shenanigans and chicanery. Um, I want to say thank you to the people that have started listening to Box Not Included since uh, meeting us and talking to us, which is very yeah. cool. I know at least two new people that have started <laughs> listening, two whole individuals that I know their faces of. So it feels like a great achievement to me. Also, we made it sound like uh, on the live episode we kept on referring to the small crowd, but that, but I was genuinely uh, I was expecting nobody, so that anything was a plus. But actually, I was really pleased with those who came. Yeah, they seemed to enjoy it. And we, ended, um, it was, I think, we ended with like eight people in the audience as well. Like, yeah, and I think that's quite good for ten a.m. We've only this is only I think our thirtieth episode, or yeah, this will be uh, this is episode thirty. Yeah, I think that's all right. Yeah, um, and the people that did show up gave us so much love and made us feel so. They were so enthusiastic to be there. It was it was very heartwarming. For also, us. I mean, it's it's slightly different to when other podcasts do a live show where you can just organise it yourselves and have tickets just for the show. People had to buy, you know, big con tickets to come see us. So, yeah, yeah, uh, no. it, that was um, very lovely. And yeah, um, was... yeah we said it uh, in the tweets at the time. But want to give a, another shout out to, to Matt Baum for uh, being our mm. guest, who was lovely. Um, and really interesting when we have a different uh, mm. perspective on the show, because we sometimes, um, we only have a, you know, our own pool of reference to come from. So mm. it was, yeah, um, we'll have to try and get on his podcast at some point. It'll be great. Well, yes. it'll be good to get, it'll be good to get Matt back as well because he, he was he was really fun to talk mm -hmm. to and uh, and have more guests yes um i also want to give a shout out out to matt dillon who's at the war llama on uh twitter who was one of the heads of content at numbers but he's the one that allowed for us to record in the first place mm -hmm. um so big big shout out to matt who was a, a lot who is a lovely person who i'm very glad that i can now call a friend so but uh, how was the rest of Nine Worlds? Because I 
basically turned up for the live show, uh, walked around the con as Magnus for a bit. Mm-hmm. I came to see the Sensei panel that you're on, mm-hmm. uh, that you made happen. I did. Um, which was really great. It was mm-hmm. really nice seeing something so uh, positive and critical and, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I had a very busy three days, and this is where we're sort of going to come into our full-on, I say, nine worlds roundup. I say <laughs> hour, it's going to mostly be mine, because uh, Hamish is a, a busy individual and then flew away to Europe. So, uh, <laughs> Which I'll talk about. In- yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have my schedules here in front of me. Um, with all being the person that I am, with all the things I went to outlined in black sharpie, so I can tell <laughs> you exactly the kind of things that I went to do. Um, so the first thing I did was I went to a talk, uh, the goddamn queers of Watchmen, uh, from a, a, a psychologist who uh, was talking about sort of the history of the Rorschach test as well as sort of queer representation in Watchmen, and that was very well attended for for ten a.m. on a Friday morning. So nice. I thought about doing talks rather than panels before. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always somebody else doing a kaiju talk. So <laughs> I don't know what I'd do. We'll think of something. You'll be good. You're very charismatic, Homer. You'd be, doing, you'd be a great doing a oh. talk person. Um, <laughs> so what else that day? Um, I went to Get Out, The Horror of Whiteness, which was a talk on a film I have yet to see, but I really wanted to go to the talk. Um, it was done by at Electo101 on Twitter, uh, Helen, who is wonderful. I believe if you go to her Twitter, you can go to her pinned tweet and see her notes from the talk. But it was looking at um, the horror of whiteness and white supremacy in as a white person and a number of us in the audience were white i don't think that talk was necessarily for us it was pointed out later about lots of awkward white laughter going on in the audience because the talk was funny like helen's a, a great speaker but i don't feel like it's anyone's responsibility to educate me it's my responsibility to educate myself and ask smart questions but it felt i'm really glad i went to that and had some of the ways I think sort of, I like to think of myself as being aware Um, Mm. because we all live under the effect of white supremacy. Um, And it's, I think it's easy to forget that, but with all the shit going on in the world right now, I just, I'm glad I went to that talk, even if it wasn't always the easiest thing to hear, because I'm of the opinion that just because something's hard to hear doesn't mean I shouldn't listen to it. So yeah, that was good. Yeah. I think um, Nine Worlds is interesting because it 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 is still quite a white con, despite the fact that they try very hard for diversity. Mm-hmm. I know I noticed that on their website they more than often use photos from their race panels mm-hmm. as their photos to sh- represent the con. I think to just try and encourage uh, that sort of change. Yes. Um, but uh, it's really cool that they still have spaces for that. And they have both cons which pe- which white people could attend and also ones where, are they called uh, safety panels? Or, or clo- 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 closed close panels. Yes, closed panels. Um, I think that's really interesting. Mm, I think that's a, a, a smart choice and a good way of sort of uh, generating 
uh, conversations and things like that that maybe wouldn't get the space to be had otherwise. Yeah. Um, I'm going to quickly shout out to some of the, because while I'm looking over my schedule, a great thing they did this year was there was 45 minute gaps between all the content. Yes. And that is such a relief, like for people that maybe have um, mobility or access needs, it gives people time to move around, which is great. And uh, shout out to the access coordinators at Nine Words this year for doing a, a fantastic job once again. But those mm-hmm. those 45 minute breaks, like giving you time to chat, to, to socialize, to get food, it's... Um, I did something quite unusual in my 45 minute break. In one of them, I was just walking around and I saw Kieran Gillen doing a signing mm-hmm. um, who writes The Wicked and the Divine and lots of other things. And uh, a few months ago, he did a review of my book Pantheon mm-hmm. in his newsletter. So I queued up for about 20 minutes uh-huh. just to say, thank you for the very nice review. I'm Hamish. And he um, remembered the book and wasn't just, I don't know, someone he got an intern to write. It was actually, awesome. it was nice. But the fact that Nine Worlds, you can just walk around and hmm. you can either plan your day. But I knew I was only there for one day, so I just wanted to walk around and see what was going on. Whereas I am a person that plans out my cons. So it's good to yes. have those moments, to have those social interactions. Because yeah. it's very much sort of like taking in all the content. So your brain gets time to breathe. And while I thrive on content and like interactions, I also get exhausted um, yeah. because you know uh, um, the quiet room is a great thing that they have at Nine Worlds but even just a moment just to sit for five minutes in a corridor somewhere to breathe to check your, check Twitter um, it's all great um, the next thing I went to was a podcast recording a shout out to other podcasts there were a few of us there over the weekend but um, they were a and d podcast called Chaotic Adequate which gets points for fantastic name Hmm. Um, but what ended up happening was a, a big sort of uh, barroom brawl with a bunch of us in the audience were given like you could volunteer and got to run a character sheet and you only got ro- like one round but in a, a move that'll be deeply hilarious to the people that know me and my role-playing habits I wound up with a sheet for a halfling <laughs> yeah so the uh, the guy cast blessed blessed i adore halflings yeah and people like to make fun of me for it um the next thing i did was uh nine worlds no stars a comedic movie script reading um riffing on some of the things you see at cons now with like Mm -hmm. really awesome voice actors we were not all awesome voice actors we were me and matt dylan and steve lacey and helen onfield doing impressions as we read journey's (laughs) end um and it, it was very entertaining. I got to bust out my pinky in the brain impression uh, oh, wow. d- during narration. We had uh, the, uh, the Dalek Supreme speech being given by Smeagol slash Gollum. <laughs> um, we had uh, Steve Lacey bust out a, a truly epic Lord Flashheart impression that uh, had the audience in stitches. So, For um, who? Which character? He did some narration, and I think he also oh. maybe did Davros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was he, assuming maybe captain jack no no flash heart davros is perfect isn't it just um then i got to go along to how to make a web series which was um oh great paper crane yeah um 
I, I'm really sorry to them if I've got that the wrong way around, but I um, got to see the first episode of Man Friday, which was a web series I auditioned for and um, didn't get in. And they are no worse off not having me in it. And I feel that's the highest praise I can give them, that even mm. without me, it was <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> but you guys um, should check that out uh, on YouTube. Uh, it's It's really fun. No, it's very frustrating if you didn't get into something and it's appalling and you're thinking yeah yeah so but, um, i think that was my day for friday mm-hmm. so i mean then, I don't sa- know, the, then saturday 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 we had so that's not included live <laughs> yeah um then i want to see your sensei panel yeah. Um, I was following, I mentioned in the live episode my friend Quen, and, and uh, I was following their live tweeting of a Dumbledore panel, which mm. was quite funny. Yeah. A uh, Dumbledore, good or evil. And the thing which I thought was funny was the evil panel could justify why he was evil, whereas the good panel could only justify that he wasn't that bad. Oh, interesting. It was just, it was okay. Uh huh. Um, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, I heard something went down mm. in a panel at, on Saturday. Um, uh, yeah. Um, the neurodiversity is superpower panel. Um, mm. I was at, and um, I, um, one of the panelists um, made a comment about there only being two biological sexes, which uh, set sort of a bad taste understandably uh in the audience given that so many uh of people attending nine worlds are trans mm-hmm. or, or or for somewhere on on the non-binary spectrum so um but to credit there was um one, i believe one of the content people came along at the end there was a discussion between the audience and the guests to make sure that kind of misstep uh didn't come up again so I felt like it was addressed well. And I think, although I ended up leaving that panel slightly early to go to a meetup, the fact that there was able to have that dialogue is one of, I feel, the, the strengths of Nine Worlds. Yeah, I mean, when you... Uh, I don't know, I didn't remember getting it this year, but you get this little uh, pamphlet on how to run a panel sometimes, and it has all these uh, things to do and not do. Mm. Um, it's very thorough to the point where some of it's somewhat contradictory. There's, I remember last year, there were things about how make sure you're very loud and clear, make sure that you're softly spoken so that, Mm. yeah, we've talked before about how you can't necessarily accommodate everyone, but the fact that it tries is so much better than ones that don't. Um, for definite every nine worlds, there's always some kind of thing like that that happens. Mm. I always come across a couple of people saying, oh, that panel really annoyed me. Mm. But the good always massively outweighs the bad. And yeah. I also saw, like, uh, on a couple of roundups I've read about the convention since, like, some people took some real positives away from that panel. Yeah. Which is uh, which is great. Uh, I finally got to go to the Weed and Sing Along. This was my fourth <laughs> Nine Worlds, and every other year I've had a clash yeah. This year I was able to go and it was so much fun and I got up on the stage and was singing along and there was such a wonderful energy in the room. Like for all the rightful critique past to Whedon um, and the great discussions that have been had, 
it's still really fun to sing once more with feeling in a room with a bunch <laughs> of other nerds as well. Absolutely. So that was a, that was really good fun. Um, and I want to shout out to the, the, the Sensei panel because yeah, yes, yeah, not just because I pitched it, <laughs> hmm. but um, after we had our great, uh, I, I'd pitched it quite a long time ago when they were first asking for content. The full title of it was um, Empathy, Diversity and Finding Your People, A Critical Look at Sensei. And after I pitched that, but before Nine Words, obviously we had our episode yeah. where we discussed Sensei. But what was really cool about this panel was I feel like it was very, I mean, you were there. It was very different, like a lot of the discussion that some of the things we touched on were the same that you and I had. But it yeah. was it was cool to see such um, a different or such different topics could be talked about. Um, and I was the only white person on that panel um me and the moderator mm. and that was cool um like some of the maybe issues i was aware of but maybe couldn't bring a certain level of understanding to um was was really good to hear and we had some really interesting talks about um the nature of grief and how the ability to bypass words um mm. it was just like it was a really heartfelt talk and a really engaged audience um we got asked the question i really wish i'd thought of this answer at the time but the end was if you could be in a cluster with somebody to try and positively change them who would you choose and then we got onto the interesting as well can you um truly influence somebody's behavior uh helen uh from the get out talk uh said joss whedon just like yeah. somebody oh you're so close to mm, nope nope um, yeah that's how I feel about Stephen Moffat all the time. <laughs> yeah. but um, I just like mm -hmm. someone with great power and they're not using their responsibility right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had the thought that I'd like to be in a cluster with a prominent casting director in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. So then I could go, have you considered not Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was a, a really great discussion. Um, and yeah, just... Uh, uh, but I had a few people come up to me afterwards and say on Twitter, like they were really glad that the panel was a thing that happened. So mm. it was just like, oh, you guys. One of the, it's not a problem of Nine Worlds. It's just one of the frustrating things is that you have to pitch the panels so early that yes. by the time the con comes around, a lot of things, uh, the discuss like what people want to discuss is slightly different. Mm -hmm. Um, and Sensei was good. I think that was a like, that was a good shout. But sometimes you know, everyone's suddenly obsessed with something, but you don't get to do the panel, and then next year it might not be a thing, yeah. big thing. Yeah, um, and it's also how you end up with like maybe just one panel on a subject that then gets vastly oversubscribed. Like the the, the content organisers do such a great job of trying to fit the room to the content. Yes, incre increasingly, and I think that's a reaction to. Um, I remember one of the first couple of years, there was uh, one panel about Mad Max a few yeah. months after it came out, mm -hmm. which had queues around the block. Yeah. And yet they used the biggest room for about 10 different Doctor Who panels, mm -hmm. which were usually pretty empty. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just uh, like the, the, the thing about Nine Worlds that it keeps learning is that the big, big uh, 
fandoms that you usually associate with geekdom might not be the same ones that the nine worlds crowd want to go yeah i mean you were turning people away from the sensei panel and uh i i think star wars might have had a panel or two but mm-hmm. it wasn't like they dedicated the entire con to star wars yeah. marvel and doctor mm-hmm. who and then small little rooms for the side things they know that mm. why we go to nine worlds is the discussion of niche stuff yeah uh, one other thing, also on the Saturday, that I had to turn people away from, and believe me, nobody was more surprised about this than me, um, was my workshop on getting started in Dungeons Ah, uh, yes, and I haven't heard anything about this. Okay, well, first off, people showed up early. That really, <laughs> really spun me out. Like, this was a panel at quarter to seven on a Saturday night at a, a good-sized convention. The Bifrost Cabaret was going to be starting partway through it. And we are in central London at Hammersmith. I had, and granted, I was in a small room designed for a workshop, but I had, uh, by the time I was due to start, I had a room full, 20 people, ready to learn about Dungeons & Dragons on a Saturday night. And you were all very (laughs) lovely when I said, I genuinely wasn't expecting this many of you. I'm going to go outside the room and breathe for a couple of minutes so I don't have an utter meltdown. Hmm. Um, But yeah... And it was, and as, as I said to the people there, she's like, congratulations, you've turned up on a Saturday night to learn about D&D. You're already partway there. Congrats. <laughs> You're foregoing so, other exciting things you could be doing to do Dungeons & Dragons. Great job. So did, it go, did it go well? Did people learn things? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, people had some great questions. That, the thing about D&D is it's kind of hard to teach. You learn really more by playing. Yeah. But I had um, people afterwards come up to me and say um, that that was really helpful. Um, somebody who's now following me on Twitter was just like, you under- you explained D&D. In a- that's the first time I've had it explained in a way that I understand. And I am probably going to be playing D&D with them at some point, which is awesome. Um, I had a woman come up to me on the Sunday and say, my two daughters came to your talk on D&D and now they want to play Dungeons and Dragons with me. And I've been trying to get them to play for ages. And I was just like, oh, I have done good work this day. I wish I'd come to that. I've done Dungeons and Dragons a few times. I still don't quite think I get it. Mm. I think I need you to tell me. Yeah, but um, Matt, um, our panelist, Matt, was there too because he's going to be uh, running a DD game uh, over in Seattle I think for a live show with um, I believe he said with some drag queens <laughs> and I'm like I am so very excited for this um, so I'm hoping to be helping out more with that but uh, that was uh, the Saturday night I didn't go to the Bifrost Cabaret this year I was sort of very wiped after doing that panel so I went back to my friend's house and recovered um, mm. and then the Sundays at Nine Worlds are always a very interesting vibe because they feel so much quieter, yet there's still a lot going on. But obviously, people do start to trickle home and things like that. Um, but I think there's also a general exhaustion. Yeah, no, that definitely sort of kicks in by that point. I'm trying to think. Oh, I went to When Does Thriller Become Horror, which was a really interesting talk about like how we distinguish the two and um they, they asked the audience like uh, do you consider silence of the lambs a thriller or a horror and the split in the room i think was like 60 40 in favor of thriller mm. but um i was chatting to um helen at the end of it and just like it's interesting when you could take something and just change the point of view character and how that would shift it 
Like, I feel like if Silence of the Lambs was you were told from the perspective of uh, Caroline, the girl who is like taken, or from Hannibal's perspective, or from Buffalo Bill being in those minds, then I feel they would be kind of more horrifying. But because in the movie, our point of view character is Clarice Starling, who's also trying to solve a mystery. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go to that panel, but um, the way I've defined it mm-hmm. is that in a thriller, uh, the a thriller is over. Well, the point of a thriller is to sort of solve something, or mm-hmm. the name. The main characters are in charge of the plot. Whereas in horror, you can the the end of the film can happen with nothing solved or nothing yeah. achieved, really. Yeah, no, I th- uh, I, that might have been one of the points that was that was brought up. Um, but that was cool. It was a a good thinking one. Uh, <laughs> then 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 there was depictions of so, uh, bisexuality in in sci fi and fantasy which um, I found quite an engaging talk, but I know a lot of people left unsatisfied. So again, that's one of those things I find interesting about Nine Worlds is that people can have so many different takeaways from things. Mm. So, but that, that was a cool talk. Um, the, the thing, another thing about Nine Worlds is whenever I go to a panel, I always have this slight protective shell because you never know when someone on the panel is going to bring up something you truly love as a bad example of something yeah and just be very flippant like well obviously that's terrible so whatever and you're just thinking oh i re- that really helped me yeah um I, I i think that's something we've talked about before when when criticizing it's just a bit of panel panel etiquette i think that needs to be reminded yeah um, um, I went to a, a great roundtable discussion on like um, a study in redemption, like looking at redemptive character arcs, and we mm-hmm. had some cool stuff there, and like some pet peeves were brought up about like the woobifying of characters and what does it mean to be having a redemption arc, and do you have to be asking for it, and the difference between redemption and forgiveness, and that was all really interesting. Mm. And then I got to go swing a sword around for an hour, <laughs> which was saw... so much fun. Was it really good? It was so much fun. Like the 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 the, the lass who I was partnered with, um, who was like a, a few inches taller than me, did ballet. But we were just kept talking about like it is impossible to not one not feel cool when holding a big ass sword, and mm. two we were like kind of half scaring each other with our murder faces <laughs> it's just like you have such a good murder face like you too i really feel like you want to hurt me this is amazing um and then i discovered 40 minutes in that the reason why i was coming in at slightly the wrong angle was because i was wearing my cosplay glasses not my real glasses and i have issues with depth perception and what do you know mm. having the right prescription on when using a sword is really helpful who knew what were you who are you cosplaying as on Sunday? Uh, Sunday I was doing Rita from the Penumbra podcast. So I had glasses on, just obviously not my prescription. Mm. So, yes, I was swinging a sword around while wearing like a 50s style <laughs> swing dress. I did, however, take off all of the bangles and the big jangly earrings and the high heeled shoes. Like, nah, man. <laughs> um, and I finished the con um, as a panelist on the importance of diverse voices in podcasting. Um, And I met some very lovely people whose names I cannot remember and I should have written down. Uh, But one of the hosts of Breaking the Glass Slipper, which is looking at uh, women uh, women in uh, genre fiction. And these two lovely guys who are so friendly and awesome. And I've forgotten their names and I'm the worst. 
Um, You're not the worst. You've remembered almost everybody's mm. names and Twitter handles. I think that's impressive. Okay. But uh, yeah, that was a really cool discussion on like uh, the different struggles that maybe we've, the panel had had with getting out there. And uh, we had some good audience uh, uh, suggestions of like software to help with podcasting. But mm -hmm. that, that, that was chaired again by uh, Matt Dillon. Um, and that was just a really cool thing to be a part of to to speak with other creators and see like the similarities that we've had in our journeys and the the stark differences so that was a uh, that was really awesome nice uh, and that's my nine worlds roundup so um yeah next year the con will possibly be in birmingham they're they're looking at having so it will no longer be it won't be london nine worlds geek fest um mm. i'm hoping to still go even if it is in birmingham um, I will definitely have to get a hotel rather than rely on a friend's place but um, I'd like to go I, I hope to go I, I enjoy being involved in the content producing side of things um, I don't think I could ever go to Nine Worlds just as a as an attendee like even yeah. my even my first year um, the year that sort of Hamish and I spent time hanging out I was still I still wound up on one or two panels because they were looking for guests and I was like, yeah. I'll do it because I have this inability to not get involved with things. <laughs> Who knew? Well, that's another thing I like about Nine Worlds is that you're not, mm. there's no sort of holier than thou, you know, we're on this side of the panel. So that means we're a more important thing. Yeah, they don't draw that divide between attendee and guests, which is part of why the vibe there is so good. Hmm. Um, but yes, tell, 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 tell me and tell our listeners about your time <laughs> in Latvia. I mean, there's not a huge amount to say. I went to Latvia to teach comics uh -huh. um, as part of a uh, collaboration with various people um, at the London Book Fair in April this year, next year, I mean. Um, they are putting on a focus of the Baltic states, and part of that involves comics. So uh, there's a... There's, there's a thing called Pop Up in the UK, which is all about uh, their sort of organization group that do all kinds of things with conventions and comics and what have you, blah, 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 blah. I basically went to Riga in Latvia for 10 days um, in a very strange derelict mansion. That's uh, so cool. <laughs> with 20 students, but they were... Age ranges between sixteen and twenty nine. Oh wow! And also, yeah, and actually, some of them had been. So one of them already has a uh, illustration magazine they founded. One of them has been an artist on the Hellboy comics. Oh wow! And I actually think I'd met her before because she'd been at Thought Bubble the year before. All oh, right, awesome. Um, Small world. Yeah, but some of them had just started art school and some of them, most of them had never done comics before. They were mostly illustrators. So me and someone called Alexis Deacon, who uh, we both publish with No Brow, his book's called Gesh, um, G-E-I-S, and I've seen in most, uh, well, British bookstores. Uh, we went over and we uh, took them through comics. Um, and then... Their, all of their work, if they finish, um, will be printed and be on display at the London Book Fair. And then hopefully a few of them will come over and we'll get to see them again. That's awesome. Um, it was really, really fun. And we only got to see Latvia really on the weekend in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, 
we were pretty much waking up, going there and getting exhausted and coming back. Yeah. Um, I, I, before I went in my brief research, one mm-hmm. of the things I learned was that Latvia is apparently the worst place in Europe to be gay. Right. So that was something I was slightly concerned about. Understandably uh, so. 12% of the population are pro-marriage equality. Um, wow. Is that quite, it? Yeah, it's quite religious. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was there, I saw adverts for two separate Latvian movies about the hilarity of men pretending to be women. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's it seems quite whatever. Anyway, I I had lots of worries, yeah. uh, but the students were already cool. I did find myself changing stories to be about my friend rather than my husband. Mm. But um, the actual organizers, uh, two of, two of the other people organizing it were gay, mm-hmm. and had been many times, and so I got I had a real sense of people looking out for me, and. Uh, It was nice. You know, I think it's genuinely just uh, a lack of proper representation and exposure Mm -hmm. to um, people like me. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I got very attached to a few of them. There was a girl there who had just started, I think she was, she was about 20, but Mm -hmm. uh, she was among the the youngest. Yeah. And... uh, her artwork reminded me a lot of my artwork when I was younger and she was trying to break out of doing her web comic, which was an undertale prequel. And I was like, my first web comic was a doctor who fan comic. Mm -hmm. And I could just tell that she'd never really spoken to someone like me before. Um, someone who understood geeky references and Mm -hmm. I was the one that said, Oh, is that undertale? And it kind of freaked her out a bit. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, f- I felt very protective of her and she, we got, uh, I was very emotional when I left. I got very attached to everyone, but, um, I think she got the most emotional. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. to stay in contact with all of them. That's awesome. Um, so it was a really good experience and I was really scared because of many reasons and also just going for two weeks in a foreign country to teach. Mm-hmm while you also have a full-time job you're supposed to be doing in the evenings is just yeah a bit chaotic. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But it was great. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. Shall we, uh, shall we celebrate your awesome foray <laughs> abroad with a, a soothing cup of tea? Let's do just that. I'll put the kettle on. section of the show and Hamish is laughing at me so it's business as usual here at box not included hell yeah yeah thank you for listening uh yeah. i think we gave a big thank you at the start in general to our listeners but thank you for listening thank you for getting us to episode 30 yeah like um i can't believe we've been doing this like more than six months uh, I'm, I'm proud of us i am too it's been a couple of episodes of slightly unusual sound quality but um, I'm looking forward to getting back in Box Not Included HQ with you. And, yeah, that'd be good. Uh, good. Um, if you enjoy listening, um, maybe sling us a review on iTunes, a rating, 
uh, subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. It'd be awesome. And um, share with a friend. Yeah. That's, that's the best way of getting us out there. I think every week someone else, or quite a few, two or three people join the uh, Facebook group, mm-hmm. um, which is, I, I like the little community we're yeah. creating. It's, uh, it's great. Uh, oh, you know who else we need to thank? <laughs> I, I do. You are like, oh, where is your commitment to the bit, Hamish? <laughs> I would love to thank our wonderful sponsor, Beastly Beverages. Yes, they are uh, fandom and fantasy luxury hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. <laughs> I love the way you sound <laughs> paraphernalia. You sound like you're the generator cuddly toy. <laughs> it's good. No, the business is queer-owned. Uh, all the ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all the products are suitable for vegans. And we have a spotlight on one of do, those do, products do, now. Uh, (laughs) that was beautiful i feel very proud of us uh the tea is called i want to believe um it is a sweet smooth and refreshing russian earl grey tea sticking close to historic traditions of adding sweet spices and sharp citrus to black tea uh a perfect addition to those long cold nights searching for the truth it's got black tea, uh, dried orange peel, cornflower petals, and lemongrass, which sounds amazing, and I'm annoyed that I have yet to have this tea. Uh, it is, of course, inspired by the X-Files. I <laughs> just thought I should explain ourselves. Yeah, let, um, let, let, let's lay that out clearly for the audience, because our musical stylings may not be the most... Uh, but I like the idea of having a nice flask of tea while you're camping out, watching the stars. Yeah. Uh Looking for UFOs. UFOs. Um, and if you fancy maybe uh, searching out a little bit of truth for yourself. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Beastly Beverages are starting this awesome mystery boxes. Um, mm. And they range in price from £5 to £100. So you could literally get whatever you like. The thing is, you are going to get some exciting stuff in this box. But yeah, no matter which box you get, you are getting more than your money's worth. Most um, definitely. But it's good for people if you, you know, you're on the website and you can't write to side and you think, oh, they all sound nice. And yeah, treat yourself to a mystery box. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want any of those delicious sounding treats, mm-hmm. go to uh, beastlybeverages.com. They also have a Patreon, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you use the sponsor code BeverageBeast, all one word, capital Bs, you can get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. And they ship worldwide. That's Beverage Beast at beastlybeverages.com. And this week's uh, tagline for them is. Shut up and finish your tea. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. Well, I'm going to finish I want, tea. I wanted I mean, to believe in myself and I couldn't. That's rough, buddy. That's rough. You uh, you finish up your drink, and we'll uh, we'll get back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about what we've been nerding out about. We've talked about nine worlds. We've talked about exciting travels. Let's talk about some geeky shit. Yeah, uh, who wants to go first? I did a lot of talking in the first half, so you go first. Okay, well, I've got a few things that um, are kind of small. Uh, I'll just say that my title was inspired by a line in a 
web series that has been getting a lot of um, coverage on Tumblr. It's gone kind of viral. Yeah, I wanted to talk about it, uh, I think, last Catch Up Geek Out, and I just forgot that I watched it all. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's stuff to talk about. And the initial buzz of everyone going wild over it has settled to the point where there's now some delicious discourse. Um, Oh, excellent. But it's stuff that I noticed first time. And it's actually, we're going to do an episode soon about uh, queer content creators and Mm -hmm. uh, how queer and yeah. So the show is called the gay and wondrous life of Caleb Gallo. Um, It is by Brian uh, Jordan Alvarez, who did, he's done a few sort of, queer viral shorts there's one that's quite famous of how gay people talk to each other when no one's watching oh uh, I yeah love that one. so he so he has this now um sort of sitcom but it's it's very strange and surreal mm-hmm. um one of the reasons people love it is mostly this character called freckle who's perhaps one of the few um gender fluid characters played by someone gender fluid mm-hmm. um that we have uh the thing that made me slightly un- I, I really liked it i really liked it it's instantly quotable there's it's got this tone i've never seen before it's it's it could be more diverse but it's the diversity is in ways which i've not seen very much before okay. uh, there's polyamorous characters um there's there's holy shit what now <laughs> there's, uh, we exist uh there's characters who and everyone's so positive to each other um and it just exists in this little bubble world that is very sweet and lovely um that said it does conform to a few annoying tropes mm-hmm. um the first episode contains a plot about how a straight character is trying on bisexuality and it's the it's it's so weird the tone of the show is so strange that you can't quite tell if the joke is that's how people treat bisexuality and you'd assume so because everyone in making the show is so aware of all this stuff mm-hmm. but it never gets mentioned in the show itself and right. it's a weird thing to put in episode one mm-hmm. when you're not quite show, sure of the show's point of view yeah um and yeah it's just messy i mean i i it made me feel a bit uncomfortable about the first episode which made it take a bit longer for me to warm to it yeah um but i think it's i've seen some bisexual people post stuff about that quite positively and some be quite annoyed so it's just one of those things and Uh it's it does a lot good that um i think it's basically a web series they did themselves so that they could bypass making a pilot and just get it sold somewhere awesome um but i think it has i think it is getting a tv series soon that's fantastic good on them yeah so it's an interesting thing to look up if you haven't already seen it you might have already done so is it on youtube yeah it is on YouTube. I think it's just five episodes long, and they're about uh, they're twenty eight minute episodes. Um, cool. But yeah, it's cute. Cool. I want to talk about uh, it's something I've actually. Um, oh, I was going to say it's something I've mentioned briefly before. Oh, it's something I've mentioned in an upcoming episode that we've already recorded. <laughs> the illusion mm. broken. Yeah, I mean, what? We're time travelers. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Um, it is an audio drama called Wolf 359. I may have mentioned this before. I certainly mention it in an upcoming episode as well, briefly, uh, specifically one of the characters. But anyway, it is an audio drama set aboard a space station orbiting the titular Wolf 359, which is um, a red dwarf star. Mm-hmm. And it's amusing that I say Red Dwarf Star because um, when I first try to describe it to people without giving away spoilers, um, because when the plot kicks in, it kicks in hard, but it kind of has a slacker character and an uptight officer character and a quirky AI. And you do realize, holy shit, I am just describing Red Dwarf right now. <laughs> it's not like Red Dwarf. No. It, it's, it's not. But what it is, is a exceptionally well-written and acted and directed uh, piece of fiction that I mainlined like a champ, as is my want mm-hmm. when I get into something. But it um, has some of the best like sound design I think I've heard in a long time. Um, and it's just very, very good. I'm not, not to say it doesn't have its issues, Um it uses a lot of metaphor for real life issues um, rather than tackling them head on, which I feel like is that deeply frustrates some parts of the fan base. Um, and there is a, a disappointing lack of canonically queer characters. Um, we did meet one gay character in, I don't want to say a flashback episode in uh, like a two hour episode bumper episode about one of the characters pre a previous crew of this space station and one of those characters um uh, is a guy and, and talks freely about having a boyfriend which is awesome mm-hmm. but yeah i'm i'm a big fan of, of all fiction and they're in their final season now um so you could wait and just mainline it all by all means do but as as an example of what you can do with the medium, I feel it's it's really interesting, and part of why I like it so much is it's very heavily character driven, and the character arcs are all really engaging. And like there are some deeply unpleasant characters in this, and it always annoys me when writing is really good and the character is really compelling, and then I'm just like, oh wait, no, I hate this guy. Oh, <laughs> how dare you make me go? Oh, he's so funny. Oh wait, no, he's the asshole. No, he's the baddie. Are we the baddies? But um, <laughs> the, I don't want to say, not the main character, because it's very much an ensemble piece, but our arguably our POV character, or who initially provides our way in, is a character called Doug Eiffel, who's the communications officer. And Doug Eiffel is, let's say that there's been some projection involved on my part, mm. um, but I love them. I sorry, I love him, and uh, there is a heck of a lot of identification on my part for the very emotional pop culture referencing <laughs> uh, smart ass communications officer. <laughs> Go figure, that's the character that Jade likes. But um, will yeah. we be seeing uh, some cosplay in the future? Quite possibly. Um, I mean, it, it what seems to be it's sort of set now. But sort of like uh, it's a slight AU of where we are now, and that we're further forward with space travel. Mm. Um, so really, it would I'd, I'd need to find like a good jumpsuit and make up some patches, which is not within my remit. But um, I definitely could. I, I I 
I would get I, it would be a very comfortable cosplay. I've done a cosplay involving overalls before when I did Alison Choi from Pacific Rim, a character who you never see on screen. So my track record of doing characters with no canonical appearance is, uh, <laughs> is it, I found my niche clearly. Um, yeah, no, I imagine that there could possibly be a Doug Eiffel cosplay in my future, which would be amazing. And I will need to find somebody to be Hera, who is the AI character. Um, for reasons that you'll discover, should you start listening to Wolf 359. Uh, but but do, and tell them we sent you, because they're lovely people on Twitter, and I crave acknowledgement from creators. Well, speaking of, you said the, about mainlining something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for one, am very glad that I was there for the Adventure Zone finale. Oh! It's been an intense six weeks, because they release their episodes every two weeks. Five weeks? Yeah. yeah. The, the, the three-part finale of the Adventure Zone has been intense. It's it, They're so full. Um, oh, you we, have aren't, to... we aren't going to be giving spoilers of details, by the way. No, no. Caught up. But, like, you can't not listen for a second because suddenly... Mm, they are dense. And, uh, Full of content. Like yeah. Callback upon callback upon callback. <sighs> Look, what I like about the Adventure Zone finale, more than perhaps anything, is that it's an unapologetically uplifting ending. And I don't think that's spoilery to say so. No. And the it, thing is, it's it's writers need to understand that uplifting endings can be very emotional and mm. things can be sad. Yeah. And I yeah. Th- I think for so many people, they think, oh, happy endings are cheap. Happy endings are easy. Happy endings are unsatisfying. But look, the world is got so much shit going on right now Mm. and for for uh, griffin and for the other mcelroys to have this sprawling fucking three-year journey of a podcast of a story they earned that ending it doesn't feel cheap i mean yeah maybe there are some things that i would do differently or maybe that i wouldn't have gone oh that's maybe not how i saw that ending but there was lightness and and joyfulness and relief and pathos and the things that you want from an ending to a yeah. story. Yeah. Um, uh, was, uh, something Justin said uh, just at the end. Once the story ends, it's just the four of them talking. And it's just like, uh, thus ends the Adventure Zone balance arc. The story of four guys playing Dungeons and Dragons so hard they made themselves cry. Mm. And that's what I lo- one of the things that's so key to me about the appeal of the adventure zone. And uh, film critic Hulk did um, a great little article on this. Is at the end of the day, it's about four people playing Dungeons and Dragons together. Yeah, that's the real story. Yeah, that I I love that, and I am so invested in these characters and and the story that that Taco and Magnus and Merle and everybody goes on together, but. I liked hearing three brothers and their dad like dick about playing Dungeons and Dragons and discover these characters together and 
you feel that you feel the journeys they go on as players and as people and the story that they're telling together and it's mm. it's wonderful like the way they the brothers talk about it on twitter and the way they've engaged with this thing they've created it's it's inspiring in so many ways yeah i mean i've got um, on my computer screen right now opened up the tribute piece of fan art I'm trying to finish <laughs> yeah. um, and it's filled with all these characters but it's it's drawing the fan art to me is it's so disconnected from why I watch why I listen to the show mm. um, which is the chemistry of the players um, have you considered that your tribute fan art should be the four of them around a table uh, maybe I don't know I I don't know I'm not I'm not very good at drawing real people <laughs> nope fair play um, but yeah I just that's what's lovely and inspiring and also for the record like the way Hamish draws loop I am very <laughs> into it I am very very into it I'm quite I've I've drawn a secret Garfield and a um <gasps> wizard hat in the background <laughs> oh that this is not spoiler there is well, okay mild spoiler there is an appearance of garfield the warlock in the finale and the the griffin's adamant refusal to give any kind of clue as to what garfield the deals warlock looks like <laughs> because the gamma of versions of what garfield could look like is i personally i'm a big fan of people who've done riffs on garfield the cat yes but one of my favourite ones is where people just portray it as Griffin in that one outfit from an episode of the Moonbeam Bum TV show. <laughs> Though I think my, possibly my favourite one is a, a weird sort of tripped out version of Garfield the cat, sort of crossed with the Cheshire cat, but wearing mm. that top hat and jacket from that episode of the Moonbeam Bum TV show. So. No, I, I've legit just drawn the orange lasagna cat. Excellent. Um. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's very inspiring also mm. in just terms of Dungeons and Dragons thing. I do understand that as the show goes on and it drifts more into a story that's being told rather than a game that's being played, mm -hmm. um, things, I don't like using the term railroady. Me and, uh, my friend Ben have come up with the term ghost trainee. Oh, I like uh, that. It's when you are being led down something mm -hmm. it's for your own good and it's still got to be filled with yeah excitement um yeah. I don't, yeah, and it, I does, it, it gets a little like that at times but mm -hmm. that's separate from the fact that as a mm. that's because he's trying to do a uh you yeah, know, it's a, 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 a thing that you listen that millions of people listen to, mm. as opposed to DMing, and I think he's very good at DMing. Yeah, I do. It's just a different job. Yeah, very much as so. a podcast host, and it's very inspiring in that sense because I there's so many things I didn't know you could do in mm -hmm. D and D that yeah. I do now because of Adventure Zone. Yeah, for sure. Huh. But yeah, um, so if you've not listened to any of the Adventure Zone, you could now, at your leisure, go back and, and listen from the beginning because um, we've got a few there's going to be a, a few weeks off um, there's going to be a couple of live episodes and things like that and then they'll be sort of trying out new things to find out what their next yeah they're going to play around with a couple of different systems and then start whatever their next campaign is and I'm excited to hear them play a different game mm. so uh, 
Speaking of games, Master <laughs> the Cedro, that I, yep, yep, I went there. Uh, what is it that you're playing at the moment, Hamish, or have played? This is going to be very brief, but I've I downloaded Sonic Mania, which I wanted to mention because it's kind of interesting from a fan point of view. Oh. Um, Sega have struggled, to say the least, to make a Sonic game in the last, let's say, 15 years that mm-hmm. uh, people think is very, very good. Yeah. There's been some kind of, yeah, it's fines. And there's, right. been, there's been a few... Uh, basically, Sonic didn't really transition to 3D gaming in the same way Mario or other characters did mm-hmm. as smoothly. And... Uh, so, a kind of ind- indie developer who were just fans of Sonic games uh, pitched to Sega, can we make a official, very retro Sonic game? And Sega said yes. And uh, this game has had the best reviews of a Sonic game <laughs> in uh, decades, which I don't wow. know if they're, they're happy with or not, but yeah. essentially... It, I, I bought it because I found it, I find that story very interesting. It has this um, animated intro by someone called Tyson Hess, mm. who began his art career by doing Sonic fan comics. All right. Um, now does the official Sonic uh, comic, <laughs> Sonic comic, and uh, then got asked to do the you know intro to an actual Sonic game. That's amazing. And I think that that's a really nice. Um, sort of fan story and mm-hmm. i played it i've played it and i am enjoying it but then i realized huh i don't actually like sonic games do i <laughs> <laughs> but, um it's quite cheap and i uh, it it's nothing it's a very good sonic game um it's got lovely graphics and colors and i'm just not very good at them i'm Fair enough. M- mario is embedded into my muscle memory in a way that sonic never can be yeah uh, I mean, that's that's fair enough um at time of recording, Defenders has dropped. Uh, it is now available on Netflix. I have not watched any of it yet. I've watched four episodes. Uh-huh. Um, and what I will say mm-hmm. is there is an article online saying everything you need to know that happened in Iron Fist so that you don't have to watch it. And uh, that proved very useful. Uh-huh. And even though there's a lot of iron, there's a lot of content from each of the four shows. I think if you're just paying attention and sort of just getting on board with characters, it's not actually that confusing. They they sort of recap stuff in dialogue. Oh, cool! Where characters are. Yeah. Um, um, I, I I saw a good photo set that made me very happy, which was just like various shots of all these different ladies mm. that are in the defenders, and I'm just like. That's good, and um, I, I saw some good commentary that made me feel very heartened about the various women who are in like Luke Cage's life having no beef with each other whatsoever, which sounds very yeah. refreshing. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is interesting. And also just because most characters, uh, most of the show's supporting cast are in it as well. Mm. So while in the individual shows you get the you know female sidekick character yeah you have all of them together now so hell um, yeah um another thing i love is just every single character's solo scenes 
are, are sort of color coded. I, I heard um, about this. Like it's um, so nice. Just Luke, Luke's a yellow, yeah. Yeah, know. yeah, and so where you know when it cuts to the part of New York that's kind of lit yellow and mm-hmm. and and same with music and it and what's really fascinating fascinating is how well they all blend together. Oh, cool. Um, so they've done a good job of sort of like respecting the separate identities of both the characters and their respective shows while also creating this cohesive whole. Yeah, it really does feel like I was worried that it would feel like Jessica Jones, uh, Luke and Iron Fist just visiting Daredevil for a bit. Yeah. Um, but it really clearly feels like f- you're cutting between the four shows. That's cool. Um, and it made me realize how much I love Jessica Jones. We <laughs> just do, love, Jess- we do it, love Jessica Jones here. I, I do. I love Daredevil a lot. Um, but mm. just when it cuts to sort of purples and blues and yes. feel the, the, um, mm. the, es- the uh, espionage music start. Um, mm-hmm. I really love it. And, you know, yeah. you have uh, Trish and Malcolm in there as well. And, yeah. Um, I think it's because she's also because we had Daredevil series two and then Luke Cage and Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Mm. She's the um, one we haven't seen in the longest time. Yeah. So, so cool. it was just nice to see her again, and yeah. nothing's really changed. She's still mm. <laughs> covered in blood and coming out of trash cans and, and, and drinking. Yeah. Cool. Um, that's nice. Cool. I will have to uh, to get into into that. It's only um, eight. It's only eight episodes long. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll try and get to that. Well, I would try and get to that next weekend, but um, I'm actually kind of deep in prep at the moment for. Um, see, I'm really good at sedgeways. I'm good at it. <laughs> I'm very I'm good impressed. at it. Thank you. I know. I know what the next one's going to be as well. Yeah, um, but yes, uh, both Hamish and I are embarking on new podcast projects. Now, don't panic, dear listeners. <laughs> Box Not Included is not going away, but rather Hamish and I, some might say foolishly, some might be right, um, uh, expanding our repertoire. Yeah, the uh, Jade and Hamish... Uh, Rose and Steel, of- the Rose and Steel Network. Uh, yeah, of products. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, yeah I, I do you think want to go first I'm trying to remember if we've mentioned this in an upcoming episode or a previous episode um, no because our, our Adventure Zone and Friends at the Table episode has gone out um, yeah I'm developing um, an actual play podcast um, with various friends of mine um, I've got three Americans all of whom are in different time zones oh wow I didn't know there were three different American time zones yeah, they're only one hour apart each. So, you know, it could be worse. It could be so mm. much worse. That's the that's the thing I'm going to comfort myself with. Um, but yeah, I am so excited about it. I've been talking to the to the various players involved and it's going to be a sci-fi game. And I'm combining two different uh, gaming systems to try and form a cohesive whole. And... Uh, hopefully tell some exciting stories in a synth cyberpunky synth noiry setting 
I'm very excited. I keep having conversations with the players involved about their characters and making myself sad and coming up <laughs> with ideas to make them sad, which is always uh, a great a great feeling. But uh, Hamish is going to be a player in that game. Um, yeah. Don't say anything about your character. Yeah, I want it to be a surprise. Well, but, um, I'm I'm excited to play. I I there's like a mm-hmm. five five category uh, Discord chat. Um, which I'm trying to keep uh, keep up to date with, mm-hmm. um, but Sorry I'm honestly that. happy to just. No, it's fine. I'm looking forward to just diving in, and mm-hmm. I don't want to know too much about the other players or the world, really. But um, it's very exciting. I hope I can be of use. I've not read any of the rule books yet, and I'm not sure how they're blending. Yeah, no, neither am I. That's what I'm spending the next couple of weekends. Oh, okay, <laughs> good. So um, uh, that should yeah. be fun. Yeah, my hope, my hope is that the first episode will go out towards the end of September. Oh, wow. So, my hope. So, but uh, that that's that's my, I say my Hamish is involved, but that that's the what that's the podcast project I'm kind of spearheading. What is yours, Hamish? <laughs> so, um, I. I've wanted to do a podcast on this sort of theme for a while. I've been trying to come up with a podcast to do with my friend Lydia for a while. Um, and I pitched it to her and she wasn't that interested. Um, Fair. but I mentioned it very briefly as a tweet and then the perfect person to do it with replied to the tweet. And then by the end of the night, we had a Twitter account and an email and a launch, <laughs> a launch date. And, um, with with we're quite in deep so it's called the poltercast nice and we basically tell each other uh ghost stories that we've heard and try and spook each other but it's the tone is completely a comedy podcast okay and the um i i really love the show but i think sometimes the topics we talk about are quite heavy. Yes. Um, the type of podcasts I listen to typically are comedy podcasts with a quite a strict theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently been listening to something called My Favourite Murder, which by the title you can probably tell <laughs> is uh, quite a acquired taste, maybe. Um, they've misstepped a lot, but we want to do something similar to that tone where the the humor comes from us trying to um not spook ourselves too much yeah <laughs> um and also just because ghosts are funny like as like ghost stories are spooky but ultimately there's so many funny things surrounding ghosts anyway we're very into it i've been doing lots of research it's coming from a slightly interesting place because i don't believe in ghosts but mm-hmm. i really believe in ghost stories yeah so i'm I don't think all these people have seen ghosts are lying. Mm. I think they've seen things Mm. and I'm not going to try and spend too much time uh, finding out the reasons behind it. Whereas Tiff does believe in ghosts, Mm -hmm. but our podcast is not going to be a a battle between the two. We just both love hearing ghost stories. I'm going down to my uh, parents' house this weekend and, uh, my mum has a ghost story that I'm going to record. Cool. Um, we have people sending in their hometown hauntings mm-hmm. uh, or their 
their ghost encounters. Nice. Um, this is exciting. And yeah, we've already had a few submissions. They they range from people sending quite dramatic stories mm-hmm. to people saying, "What <laughs> what are the tweets that made me laugh the most?" We've already got you know. It seems like I found something that uh, mm-hmm. I, I, w- I wanted to do this podcast because I wanted to listen to it. And I found that quite a few people wanted to listen to it as well. That's, that's nice. always great when that happens. But we got a funny tweet which just said, um, I want to send in a story, but my house was built near a well and I'm scared. Doesn't seem like a proper ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And, uh, yeah, so we're hoping to launch that at some point in October, obviously. Obviously. Um, What's the uh, the Twitter handle? For the pol- it is the Poltercast. Sweet. Um, that's the other thing. I was shocked. The reason I got the Twitter and email so quickly is nobody was, had it. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. Um, but yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about other spooky things. But it's just I love Halloween, so. Why does why don't why don't we make Halloween once a week? I look forward to it. Do you know what day of the week uh, your actual play podcast will launch? I do not. We're thinking um, the Poltercast feels like a Wednesday. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Then maybe I don't know. It feels like maybe with the vibe I want to capture with this actual play, like it's sort of like maybe an anime or a cartoon. But like one more aimed at older people, so maybe it'll be a Friday night kind of deal. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I think um, we can plan out a whole week of people listening to yeah. Rose Steel products. Yeah. Cool. Um, if you want to get in contact with us <laughs> <laughs> to tell us about how infused you are about our new podcasts, <laughs> um, you can do that. Um, I'm at J Doxford Rose. I'm at Hamish Steel. Um, and of course the show has its own Twitter. Um, it also has a Tumblr and an at Gmail and a Facebook with box not included all over the shop. Yeah. Uh, don't know what else to say about, <laughs> I, I, you, yeah, sorry. Usually I contribute more to the sign off and I forgot to. How about, how about you thank our producer? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'd also like to thank Graham Waller, audio overlord and master of the sound waves for our theme music and helping produce the podcast. Uh, This feels very strange and surreal, (laughs) me saying this. Um, You can check out more of his work at GrahamWaller.com. You can also download two singles of Glitter Wolf. Uh, They are called The Purge. Close. And uh, Purge? Street Purge. Street Purge and... Night Beast? Well remembered. I was listening to them because I want to get Glitterwolf to do the uh, Poltercast theme song. Oh. Uh, because I love so much doing the impression of our theme song. It, <laughs> but, it is so very good. It's so uh, very good. Yes, thank you to thank you to them. Cool. Um, but that's it this week. So until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And don't let anybody box you in. Sorry. I'm leaving that in. (laughs) 